Hello everybody, welcome back to another brand new episode of The Casual Criminalist. I, as always, am your host, Simon. In this episode today, we're looking at the Liquid Matthew murder, which I I, I initially, I immediately think, because uh, if you're new here, I know nothing about what I'm about to read. The glorious scriptwriter for this channel, Callum, has put me together. Feels like a very short script. This will be a very short episode. I'm sorry, I know you guys like the long episodes, but uh, that's what we have today. I've never read this before. Uh, that's what I was trying to say. I, init- I I immediately just jumped to dissolving bodies, so I know it's going to be unpleasant. I have no idea if that's what this is about. Um, we'll read it and find out together, won't we? Uh, thank you to Callum for writing it, of course. Thank you to Jen for doing all the production work afterwards. And thank you to me for reading it. <laughs> I have the easiest job of all three of us. If you are enjoying this podcast, by the way, I'll just get a little plug-in up front to say please do leave it a review if you're uh, listening on Apple or wherever, except for Spotify, which doesn't allow reviews, which is fantastic. Thank you, Spotify, (laughs) as I always say. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever, please do leave a review. Five stars, of course, helps. If you're on YouTube, smash that like button, although you're probably drifting towards the dislike button right now because of this extended introduction. Let's get into it. Psychopaths love a good riddle. What better way to flaunt your intelligence than to some hapless police officers than by turning your crime spree into a big mind game? One of the most famous examples is the son of Sam. That killer fell victim to his own ego when the cops caught him by tracing the clues in his crime scene letters. Today we'll be looking at a lesser well-known case of a murderer toying with the cops. This one also went down in history, but for slightly different reasons. In 1983, cops in Miami came up against one such devious intellect when the body of a foreign national turned up in a car park. What looked like an everyday act of violence soon turned into a game of intellectual cat and mouse when a cryptic clue was found nearby. So began a mind-bending hunt for the culprit in what became known as the liquid Matthew murder. I feel like it's not as bad as writing down your crimes but like leaving intentional clues for the police is a pretty dumb move i know like psychopaths want to prove that they're smarter than the police and all of this nonsense that people's minds work weird but uh leaving clues it's like bro trust me you're leaving clues anyway you don't need to leave the cryptic ones there's clues anyway the murder Two joggers were out running Miami's Hialeah, maybe, neighborhood on Sunday, uh, December the 6th, 1983, when they stumbled across a man lying face down in a car park. That's probably an extremely common occurrence in Florida. (laughs) Oh, on another channel I do, we have often stories of Florida man. And uh, yeah, yeah, Florida. Am I right? But judging by the state of this guy, he wasn't just on the tail end of a mega bender. A closer look confirmed it. He was stone cold dead. When the police arrived to investigate, they found that the man, a Colombian national named Patino Gutierrez, had been strangled to death. The time of his death was likely earlier that same evening, but nobody in the area had seen anything suspicious. There wasn't much immediately apparent evidence either. The cops sealed off the scene and began taking pictures of the area, but progress was stifled with when a heavy thunderstorm swept across the city, forcing the detectives to retire for the night until the weather cleared. The next morning, they returned for a proper sweep of the area. I feel like if something's gonna, you know wash anything away it's gonna be a hurricane but rather than a murder weapon or traces of dna they found an even more compelling clue lifted straight out of the pages of a cheesy mystery novel (laughs) 
Taped onto the back of a no-dumping sign at the edge of the parking lot, just meters away from where the body was found, was a plastic bag. A sheet of paper was folded up inside, only slightly damp despite the downpour. It was a neatly typed letter featuring a cryptic clue. It reads... Once you're back on the track, you'll travel in night. So prepare your old self for a terrible fright. Now the motive is clear, and the victim is too. You've got all the answers. Just follow the clues. This almost... <laughs> I hate to say it, but as a police officer, this sounds kind of fun, except for all the murder involved and the, the risk of there just being a murderer out there who's going to do more murdering. But I mean, this is quite a nicely put together riddle. I watched it. I watched that TV show Gotham with the Riddler, and he always comes up with things like this. And it's like, yeah, you psycho, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> but it's kind of fun. Holy mackerel, Batman! The Riddler has struck again. Or Callum and I are definitely on the same page right here. Holy murder! But unfortunately, the Cape Crusaders' jurisdiction doesn't extend as far down as Florida. That left the cops to crack this code on their own. Still, it was hardly the Zodiac cipher. Surely it wouldn't take a team of ace detectives that long to figure it out. Just in case they were wasting their time on a hoax, they checked through the crime scene photographs from the night before. Sure enough, the bag was poking out at the back of the sign, just hidden out of sight all along. Sergeant David Miller was the one tasked with following the trail of the strange message. This was the kind of classic Agatha Christie detective stuff that dreams are made of. A chance to go head-to-head -head with a villain. A career-making case. I, I feel like, in reality, the cops are like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> this again? Riddles? Really? But it wouldn't be easy. Perhaps there's some key info left out in the middle of the quote. But regardless, it seems like the detective didn't have much to go on. For one, the killer suggested the motive should be obvious, but it really was anything but. Could the letter be giving coded directions to some location in town? Maybe a back on the track alluded to following some train tracks. Maybe the terrible fright suggested a Halloween costume store. I don't know. I'm shit at riddles. The point is, though, Sergeant Miller wasn't. Okay, yeah, I'm like, listen, listen, listen to the riddle again. Once you're back on the track, you'll travel in night, so prepare your old self for a terrible fright. Now, the motive is clear, and the victim is too. You've got all the answers. Just follow the, follow the clue. Once you're back on the track, you'll travel in night. Oh my god, I'm, I'm also terrible at riddles. Like, whenever the Riddler does one of those riddles on that uh, Gotham TV show, I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't know it. And then these characters are like, ah, oh, I got it immediately. And I'm like, oh, I'm so dumb. And you at home are probably like, Simon, it clearly means this. <laughs> I have no idea. Somehow we managed to crack the code in under an hour. Also, I gave myself about 30 seconds, so I'm not going to beat myself up too hard. He's also a detective, and I'm an internet fact boy. So, yes. Following the trail. His keen intuitions helped him track down a second clue, sealed in a plastic bag just like the last one. Who knew how many there might be strewn around the city, or if the devious murderer would be waiting at the end of the line? This one was taped to the back of a speed limit sign a few minutes down the road from the murder scene. His message was more macabre than the last one. Yes, Matthew is dead, but his body not felt. Those brains were not Matt's because his body did melt. For Billy threw Matt in some hot boiling oil to confuse the police for the mystery. They did toil. <laughs> Guys, these are really like nicely put together. Respect. No, not really. Jesus Christ, sounds like Mr. Gutierrez got a better deal than this Matthew character. Perhaps the killer was boasting about another victim whose liquefied remains were waiting at the edge of the trail. If so, then the dead guy in the car park might have just been killed to kickstart this little game. Holy sh**. I knew, I knew someone was going to get their body melted in acid. And look, I've seen Breaking Bad. I know what that's like. It's not nice. 
Or maybe, as the end of the clue suggests, it was all a ruse to waste police time in the crucial early stages of the investigation. If so, it worked a charm, nobody could quite work out the meaning of the second riddle. The mention of boiling this poor guy in hot oil didn't directly suggest anywhere in the vicinity. Somewhere with a deep fat fryer. McDonald's, perhaps. Just like me, the cops ran into a dead end. After several more days of making zero headway, Sergeant Miller decided to appeal to the public for help. Locals opened their copies of the Miami Herald to a bonus puzzle page featuring an appeal for information about that second clue. The cops were asking for anything that could help solve the riddle or cut the bullshit and identify the writer directly. Some budding amateur detectives no doubt tried to crack the case, now popularly known as the Liquid Matthew murder, but it wasn't long before a more direct tip came in. The writer turned himself in. A Ridiculous Conclusion This crafty criminal was among those who spotted the riddle in the paper that day. He contacted the police, but not to taunt them with a diabolical monologue. He actually wanted to clear something important up. Around a week and a half after the body was first found, the Miami Riddler rang up the police tip line and identified himself. He was the leader of a local Christian youth group. So what drove this holy man to commit such a violent, senseless crime? Money? Drugs? Sheer bloodlust? Well, actually, none of that. In fact, the devout young man didn't actually commit any crime at all, despite perhaps a minor bit of littering. It must have been a painfully awkward phone call. Yes, he did post those riddles there, but they had nothing to do with the murder. In fact, they had been hanging there for months before the victim even died. Every Halloween, their church group ran, blood, ran a blood and guts themed treasure hunt for young people at four local churches. <laughs> uh, that is just, uh, in my mind, they were no doubt tied together. Like, I didn't. Maybe, I don't know if you guys listening were like, maybe it's unrelated, but it didn't even enter my mind for a second that it could just be a coincidence that someone left like a really nicely written puzzle thing next to the dead body. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, at least they found out and people wasted, uh, the police wasted a lot of time. I mean, that's unfortunate. It was predicted to rain back on that night in October, so they put all the clues in plastic bags just in case they got ruined. Sure enough, it started bucketing down partway through, meaning the murder mystery game and the clues had to be abandoned. They never bothered going back to collect the remaining clues. I mean, what were the odds that an actual real-life murder would occur right next to one of them? That's some astonishingly bad luck for everyone involved. Soon another church girl called in to confirm the story. The detectives had been inadvertently playing a children's game rather than chasing a murderer. A children's game, which the riddles are so good that not even detectives could solve the second one. The children would be like, whoever they are, start getting them on the track to, like, detective work. They're, like, the Sherlock Holmes level shit right there. Honestly, I almost wish they hadn't needed to go public after that second clue. Imagine some old grizzled detective following the trail to its conclusion, expecting to find a killer, but just nabbing a bag of Christian book vouchers instead. Ah, what a prize. Just like that, the mystery of the Miami murder riddles was solved in the most ridiculous way imaginable. But hold on, the whole thing wasn't really about solving some scavenger hunt. Who actually did the murder? Oh yeah, about that, we have no idea. Oh no, whoever strangled Francisca Patino Gutierrez to death in that parking lot was never found. Not directly because of that little place distraction, but it certainly can't have helped. Yeah, I think, you know, often on Casual Criminalist we cover murders that were solved. Um, and often, like, particularly grisly murders that are super motivated to solve. But most crime just goes unsolved. I think that's the reality of things. Look, if you're not writing down your crimes, the police aren't. No, I mean, it just a lot of crime goes... I can't remember the exact statistics, but it was always like... 
I remember hearing this thing and it was like, okay, so a crime is committed. Chances of the crime being reported are like one in however many. Chances of the police actually following up on it are one in however many. Chances of the police actually pursuing a court case are one in however many. Chances of like in the UK, it's the CPS, the Crown Prosecution Service, deciding to pursue the case are one in however many. And then you get to finally get to court and it's got to be like, okay, well, you've got to get it proved beyond all reasonable doubt, which is one in however many. And it's just, yeah, most crime just is just people get away with it, sadly. The alternative avenues of inquiry revealed some actual clues about why the guy was killed. He worked as a sailor and recently arrived in Miami via Panama. The ship he was on got raided when it arrived in port and the cops seized 11 pounds of cocaine on board. I'm going to say, I'm just going to guess, that that might be related to his death. Maybe. Gutierrez was a suspect in the smuggling case and his untimely end seemed to confirm the authorities' suspicions. Drug cartels don't usually have a forgive-and-forget type mentality, so it's likely he was assassinated in retaliation for the seized cargo. That was the official conclusion when the case was closed on December 19, 1983. Wrap up. Unfortunately for Sergeant Miller, this never turned out to be his career-making case, but at least he got a pretty funny story out of it. As for the riddle maker himself, he never got in any trouble for leaving those harmless Halloween clues around. Yes, it'd be weird if he did. <laughs> The only repercussion was a bit of short-lived embarrassment for the church group, church group leader, who for a brief time became Miami's second most famous supervillain, second only to the dastardly Florida man, of course, who somehow escapes jail to commit a new crime every other day. In the end, the murder of Gutierrez went unsolved. Rather than finding the person responsible for his untimely death, the investigation just resulted in one of the most absurd real-life punchlines we've ever featured. On the plus side, though, at least nobody was boiled alive in oil. Yeah, I mean, that, like, Christian kids scavenger hunt murder mystery thing sounded super intense holy shit. this has been an episode a very short episode of the casual criminalist i've been your host simon thank you for callum for putting this together thank you jen for all of the production work um that's about it as i said what felt like five minutes ago please do leave us a review if you're listening to this show leave us a like subscribe all of that fantastic stuff and i'll see you in the next probably longer episode <laughs>